Hello and welcome to Nigan Report, your weekly round of all the latest Nigan news and all other photographic announcements that we found interesting. It's Constant here. And this is Becky. Hey, more Nikon Z6 rumors. No, they're none actually. No. So um, <laughs> there's nothing none really to talk about. It's it's not going to be a Nikon report. I think it's going to be a Fuji film report this week, Becky. You know, <laughs> there's definitely some Fuji news that we can talk about, but we can discuss how it relates to Nikon. Exactly. So stay tuned for this. Yes. But first up for some actual Nikon rumours, shall we say, which are not Z63 rumours, there is supposedly a minor firmware update to the Nikon Z8 coming soon. Someone on Nikon Rumours was told that Nikon will release this firmware update soon, version 2.01, perhaps with an improved high ISO performance and some other minor fixes uh, from version 2.0. So... That's not uncommon, I would say. Usually when a new firmware comes out, they iron out some of the kinks and then you get a 2.01. It's quite common. Exactly. I mean, it was a big firmware, so let's be honest. And yeah, I'm sure that new firmware may have introduced a certain bugs that were needed to be ironed out, really. So yeah, 201, don't expect anything major, you know. But uh, if there's one coming, then it's hopefully will be with us very soon. Now, what else is going to be very soon is a CP Plus in Yokohama, Japan, which is a big photography show. And Nikon is going to have a stand there. Last week, we mentioned that Nikon already announced their schedule and show the picture of actually their stand. The main product is going to be Z8 and ZF. Do you think Nikon is going to announce something next week or do you think it's a bit too late to do this now i think <laughs> it's a really good question <laughs> i would love it if we got an announcement then but as we haven't really seen any teasers or anything more substantial out there in the big wide world i i don't think it's looking promising for cp plus it would be lovely if we did get the z63 announcement obviously we've been hoping for a dx camera announcement for a little while and there doesn't seem to be anything in the air that indicates that that might happen we also have a couple of rumored lenses the 35 1.2 to complete that 1.2 lineup and also the 28 to 400 which would be a kind of all-round full-frame zoom i guess do you think 28 to 400 is actually feasible rumor do you think this lens can exist without being too big and bulky i think it would be a challenge obviously nikon have the 24 to 200 which is a fantastic general purpose lens and i have heard people comment on the fact that they would like a more general purpose full frame zoom to mimic the 28 to 300 that we had for dslrs so i understand the thought process behind it i don't know if this is the point where we would get that though i actually don't have much expectation shall we say for lenses in this coming year once we get this financial year out of the way Apart from a 35 1.2, I have no idea what Nikon might do lens-wise going forward for the Z system. So the future is infinitely promising and unknown. No one knows anything. They're all just speculating. Nobody knows anything. I mean, we haven't been NDA'd. <laughs> we haven't that. been NDA'd, so that's that's what you know. Maybe we have. Who knows? You know, we can't really talk about those things, Literally really. Literally cannot even say that, but we haven't. <laughs> but anyway... Yes. We know the word NDA exists, uh, <laughs> and some people are NDA and some people are not. But on what matters, we don't know. I mean, 28400, really, uh, I, I don't know. I, it sounds like a very consumer product, 
And mm. 24 to 200 is a very good lens for what it does. And it's definitely the best all-rounder that Nikon ever made because obviously they had 28 to 300 G, they had 28 to 200 back in the day with a plastic mount. And that mm -hmm. one was also made in silver back back in the day as well. And you know, when the lens does everything, it doesn't really do things particularly well. And 24 to 200, I think it was the first one where I could say that it's a pretty good lens if you just want to have a small and compact, relatively small, of course, travel setup. Now, 28 to 400, either they're going to make it small and plasticky, which means the image quality is not going to be good, then the price should be fairly low. And you bundle it with some either full frame camera, let's say, I doubt they're going to be DX. I think they need to release something like 18 to 300 DX lens, really, 100%. to cover this. So, yeah, I don't really know because you, you want to make it good. It's going to be big and heavy and expensive. You want to make it affordable. It's going to be probably plastic mount and not amazing performance. So I'm thinking 2450 when I'm talking about this. 2450. God, I forgot that lens existed. Exactly. The one that was paired with Z5. Yes. So you're saying 28 to 400 is not only unsubstantiated as a rumor, but possibly not something that you would even conceive of Nikon producing at any point? I think I would put it in the same type of rumor as Nikon Z6 II autofocus firmware update that we heard about two years ago, as well as the Lanzarote event where everyone saw Nikon Z6 III. I would put that in that basket. Okay. It gets the clicks. I don't think there's anything substantial in there. Do you agree? <laughs> yes, I, I think we are both in agreement on that side of things. All right. Well, since CP Plus is probably not going to show us anything, we put a link on the article for you to read what Nikon is going to do there. There's a lot of content in Japanese in there, so knock yourself out. Now on to Q3 financials, which we covered last week, and we tried to keep it sweet and short. But the Q&A comes out normally a week later, and we always discuss it, and we always talk about imaging business. So there's only one question was there, and the question was, the imaging products have exhibited strength this fiscal year. What is the outlook for next fiscal year? What did they say, Mick? They said, we attribute the strengths to two factors. One, amid a post-pandemic recovery in demand for cameras, part shortages led to prolonged tightness in supply, which in turn reduced the need for sales promotion expenses. Wow. <laughs> anyway, today, however, the market has normalized and sales promotion expenses are on the rise, mainly in the United States for the holiday season. Another factor is the support we've enjoyed from mainly younger generations in response to stronger Nikon products. Okay. Wow. Okay. All right. We'll take this apart in a second. Exactly. Although the competition is fierce, we aim to roll out technologies from the successful Z9 and Z8 models into mid-range models to win broader customer support. Although we have enjoyed high operating margins from the high teens, from the high teens? Oh, okay, fine. It's weird. I love this. I love this use of sentence. It's so good because they talk <laughs> about, you know, that youngers are picking up Nikon cameras and then they use word high teens pretty much in the next sentence. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's it's poetry, really. Mm -hmm. Although we've enjoyed high operating margins from the high teens to approximately 20% for several quarters, moving forward, we expect the operating margin to settle down between 10% and 15%. In May, we plan to release numerical targets for the next fiscal year and the revised targets for the medium term management plan. 
that's not so exciting. However, if we break this down to the fact that they're saying, okay, post-pandemic, there were part shortages and there was an increased demand and supply was rubbish, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they couldn't put as much money into promotion and now they are putting money into promotion. I mean, that's a pretty straightforward statement. I would, I am surprised that they're still attributing success of the last, you know, quarter to something that occurred over, well over a year ago. I feel like it's a bit of a stretch, but obviously they know better. I agree. What about the younger generations? Do you think a Nikon brand is now super hipster? <laughs> I think hipsters are old people. I think that we, <laughs> I think that uh, this is not, <laughs> I feel not... personally attacked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying that, like, you know, to the actual, to the actual younger generation, hipster is not, is not that young. All right, well, let me rephrase it. Is Nikon now a hip brand or trendy brand? <laughs> just aging yourself out there, God, using <laughs> words like that. But yes, I is think... it really dope? Is that what I'm saying? Absolutely dope. I do think that Nikon have made definite efforts to appeal to a younger audience. And obviously with the, the ZF, the, with the retro style cameras, that has, that has definitely worked. But I think more importantly, they're adding features that are in direct competition with other brands that younger people tend to look at. So, for example, Sony have become almost like the brand that young videographers and photographers sort of lean towards because whatever, that's what they learn on in university or while doing their their degrees. And so then Sony kind of have an in there and Nikon stopped doing that for a long time. We stopped having Nikon be the brand that school, that professors and teachers used. But by creating cameras that have technology, which is on par with their competitors, then yes, people will start to look at those cameras and maybe go, oh, Nikon has something that Sony don't have. I don't know if the retro styling has particularly made a difference, but I know, for example, yourself and myself, we opted for the retro style cameras partially because of the technology, but also because of the looks. Yeah, so forever young, that's what I would say, yeah. Um, But... um... (laughs) Do you reckon that the feature set and actually competitiveness with other brands over the looks? I do think so. I think that obviously in certain markets, for example, we know that the ZFC is massively popular in the Asian market. We know that the different colorways and things will appeal to a younger audience as well. Whereas maybe we slightly older photographers don't much care for the different color options. They're nice to have, but they're not necessarily a selling point for us. They're not the thing that defines whether or not we buy the camera. I don't know. I think it's a combination of factors. It's still in the, I feel like in the early stages, I don't think they've quite got it down to perfection where they know, oh, if we use particular influencers to and make them use these products, therefore we'll sell to a younger audience or 
let's release this kind of feature set that will appeal to a younger audience. But it, whatever they're doing, it seems to be working. Okay, so the younger generation, we assume it's under 30 or is it under 20 or under 40? What are you referring to? <laughs> what do you consider the younger generation? Because I'm going under 30, but maybe Nikon are thinking under 20s. I'm not sure. I don't think that under 20s necessarily have the budget for the products that Nikon are pushing right now. So I would say... I would say the the 20 to 30 age bracket, possibly mid-30s, because I like to still consider ourselves young people. All right. So young professionals, let's say this. Obviously, it's always good to feel young. Okay. The reason why I ask this is because... If you look at the younger generation, maybe not 20 plus, but under 20, where mobile phone photography and just mobile phone use is basically present at all times. Mm -hmm. Do you think they need to look into creating the camera interface and just usability and controls of the camera? I'm talking about physical controls as well as creating the interface, which is more mobile-like, where you can access things fairly quickly with a few flicks of a finger instead of going through the menu and just trying to dig this setting out, which is just buried under a setting, a setting, a setting, a setting. What are your thoughts on this? I think we used to this. Yes, we, we grew up on the computers and let's say not early computers, but let's say if you look at Windows 95 and things like this, you know, then you kind of knew that if you want to find something that is not there, you may want to use a command line or something, or you may want to press several hotkeys, etc. Well, Nowadays, if you use mobile phone, everything's pretty much accessible, even just via search, really. Mm. What's your thoughts? I see your point. I think it's something that we've talked about quite a few times, even long before the existence of this channel. I did have customers who would say, wouldn't it be great if Nikon did a camera that would allow you to share immediately to social media from the camera, for example, mm -hmm. and turn it almost into like a phone-like experience? And I think that people these days do get very used to a certain type of interface. I think it would only benefit Nikon if they did that, but they tried something like that in the D3000 and D5000 series. They had a guide mode, if you remember, mm -hmm. and that literally had big boxy icons like you would see on a, on a phone. I don't know how much difference it made. Those cameras did sell very well for Nikon, but I don't know how much people use that over let's say just sticking it on full auto but it's definitely something that they should explore i mean other camera lens and camera brands have collaborated with phone companies so that now we see you know leica and zeiss technology In inside ways, yeah. phones mm -hmm. yeah exactly so i think that there is a possibility for it and it wouldn't hurt nikon to have a kind of app interface it would just have to be done in such a way that all of us diehard old school Nikon users who know and love the menu system and completely understand how it works don't get lost because Fuji, and I know we will talk about this soon, but Fuji's sort of quick menu, if you like, is kind of laid out like that. And I absolutely hated it from all, from all the Fuji digital cameras I had. I could not stand it. So it's like, it, it has pros and cons, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. It's a maintaining this fine balance in terms of physical controls, as well as the menu system, where you create the camera that both types of people can use. And that's going to be quite mm -hmm. difficult. I don't know if they will start with two different products first, and then we will try to find that right balance. And we had the talk back in the day about, let's say, what if Apple would release a camera? Yeah, so what would they do? And obviously, I think 
if you look at the Apple ecosystem, maybe it's not the most advanced and the most cutting-edge technology, but I think they've got the usability and interface right because the product just works. And it is the reason why iPhone is basically a dominating mobile phone on the market for last decades, really. You know, So if you think about this, what would take a Japanese company to create an ecosystem that will rival, let's say, Apple design philosophy. I, th I think that's a very interesting thing. I think that may take some years, and I hopefully they'll get it right. Mm, good. I have nothing more to add. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, let's move on to third-party news. This very interesting one, actually. The Venus Opticlaova just announced 10mm f2.8 zero lens, which is full-frame rectilinear autofocus lens. It is available for Nikon Z mount, so it's basically the widest angle lens that doesn't give you fisheye, but actually give you a rectilinear look. So Amazing. it's available now. It's $799 and it's got autofocus on Nikon's system. I think this is very, very exciting because Nikon doesn't have anything like this available. No. And if you consider the expense of the widest rectilinear lens that Nikon did, which was a 13 millimeter which is a super rare lens and is up in the tens of thousands and is obviously manual focus and was designed for the F mount. This is an incredibly exciting concept from Lauer. I hope that we can get our hands on one <laughs> so that we can try it out. Yeah, that would be really cool. And obviously there are widest lenses available, but having autofocus on that lens, which again, if you think about it, your depth of field is massive. You don't really need to have autofocus that much, but it is there. And it's very cool. The price-wise, it's not too bad as well. You know, it's not over $1,000 or anything like this. So for some of you who need this, it definitely might be a good purchase. 420 grams, and apparently what they, they're talking about, zero distortion. I mean, I want to see that personally, but, you know, if we're going to have almost no distortion at all, that will be incredible at such wide angle. Agreed. Now, moving on to some other non-Nikon news, the Fujifilm X106, as it's now called, has been announced. Why is this relevant? Well, it may be not that relevant to Nikon, but I want to talk about this because the announcement has been made this morning. The positive reaction to this, if you look online, and obviously Fujifilm has done really well where, you know, by flying all the influencers in the world to try this camera. And uh, you have basically dozens of videos talking about this camera. For me, what's interesting is we have a 40 megapixel sensor, which Fuji already had. So it's a very high resolution sensor on DX sensor. It's a point and shoot camera, which Nikon doesn't have. It has IBIS on the sensor, which Nikon also doesn't have. And it's priced at £1,599 or $1,599 on the market. It's a luxury point and shoot camera. Do you think Nikon should look into this? Do you think Nikon should look into DX point-and-shoot or full-frame point-and-shoot bit cameras? Because if you look at DX point-and-shoots, at the moment, we have a Ricoh GR series, yeah, and they have mm -hmm. GR3, which is 28mm point-and-shoot, and GR3X, which is 40mm lens camera. And then we have X106 uh, with a 35mm lens. On the full-frame end, we have Leica Q3, which is, I think, five or six thousand pounds, and it's got 28mm lens. Between £1,600 and £5,000, the gap is massive. And my question is, do you think Nikon should look into this and fill the gap? It's a very interesting question. I looked at this and I thought, what would Nikon do? And then I remembered the DLs. Do you remember the DLs, that announcement? 
Yes, yes. So the mysterious thing about the DLs was that it was the concept of a point-and-shoot camera with fixed lens. There were going to be three different options, mm-hmm. um, and it was going to be a 2.7 crop sensor, if I remember correctly. Yes. It was going to be CX, as Nikon called it, or the same sensor that was in the Nikon 1 system. Yeah. And Nikon got all the way to the prototype stage and then decided to scrap the idea because it wasn't going to be cost-effective considering that they had already announced the vague prices as well, and they were not more expensive than this. They were sort of bobbing around the 1000 to £1,500 mark, depending on which one you went for. And mm. we even had waiting lists for them at Gray's, I remember. So it's odd now to think that Fuji have got, obviously, a premium APS-C size sensor with 40 megapixels. It's like Technology has moved quite considerably on since the DL conceptualization, shall we say. But I wonder if Nikon would look at this and go, still not cost-effective for us. I don't know if that's because they don't really have a DX point-and-shoot fan base as Fuji already have, or obviously they've decided that they're going to go down the more premium, more expensive camera range. That's what they're kind of looking at. So they want to make fewer cameras but make them more expensive, essentially. Or, or really where their thought lies. But I do think it's a really interesting concept. And if there's been such a huge positive response from Fuji, I attribute that to the fact that they've already done it so many times so successfully. Obviously, this is the Mark Six of this type of camera. So they've proven that they can sell them. The the V, as we thought it was called, or the 5, as I suppose it really is called, um, was a hugely popular camera. And now they've only improved on that. They're not massive changes, if you think about it. When you look at it on paper, 40 megapixels, though, in a DX sensor is is probably the big one, I would say. And the IBIS on the sensor. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where if you think about it, it's a very expensive point-shoot camera, right? It's very difficult to judge how popular the X100 5 was, or V, back in the day, because the problem was you couldn't really buy any if you would want to buy one in the last three years. So people would have to wait, or people would have to pay scalpers prices on eBay, and mm. you would pay more uh, than RRP for the used one on eBay. The reason for that being is not because they were hugely popular, but... The problem was that it seems like Fujifilm had an issue with the production. So maybe they weren't set up a production for high volumes. It seems like the the volume they produced was very low. The camera X100V came out about five years ago, and it seems that the internet discovered the camera about two, three years ago. (laughs) So if you look at the Google Trend search, and a lot of people think, well, what happened? Why did the camera become so trendy? And... A lot of people associate this with the Fuji film simulations because the camera is small and light and can create great images straight out of the box. You can apply the look. And the question was, well, a lot of people don't want to spend time editing the images on the computer, right? So it's great. We're all professionals. We all shoot raw only. But so, yeah, sometimes you just want to take the camera. You want to take great shots. And a lot of people also say that actually X100V became popular around the same time where film became popular again, you know, mm. among young generation of people. And if you look at the X106 promotions, if you go to their main website, they show young people carrying this camera, you know, so they, they directly market to those people. Those young people again. Young people, you know, the young <laughs> professionals, as we're going to call them. The young people strike again. Exactly. <laughs> and it hurts. So if you look at this, yeah, so, and you look at Nikon side of things, yeah, I think there's a gap because... 1,600 pounds for point-shoot camera 
is a lot of money. So I personally, I don't think that young people will be particularly looking for their camera specifically, you know, unless they're going for a trade sh shiny thing. So technically that price tag would probably attract kind of more professional crowd, you know, people who like to tinker with their camera because they like to have all the manual controls. But if mm. you look at the full frame side of things, Sony used to make the, I think, R3 camera or something like this, which had a 35 millimeter. And it's kind of been long gone. Uh, you know, I don't think if it's still in production or not. But we only have like a Q3, which is a very expensive camera. So there's a gap to be filled. And the question is, well, if you're going to release a full frame point shoot camera with 28 to 35 millimeter sensor, what the price it will be? I mean, bear in mind that the current price of Nikon ZF is $2,000 or so £2,200 in the UK, plus you will need the lens on top. Mm -hmm. So where do we stand price-wise? If Nikon releases something like this, are we looking at two and a half to three thousand pounds? And if we're in that space, how many people will buy a point-and-shoot camera at this price? It's a valid question. I would genuinely be interested to know what the audience think, particularly when it comes to people who have and do use Nikon DX cameras or have used Nikon point-and-shoots in the past and then stepped away from them because Nikon no longer have anything in that space. Obviously, Coolpix has been sort of slowly but surely phased out. So I'd be interested to know what they think. It, do you think that Nikon could validly produce a point and shoot like the Fuji X106 and sell it? And what price point do you think it would be? I think if Nikon were looking at it in this day and age, they would want to price it at about £2,000 maybe 1500 they have done products where they've they've undercut the competition but we're talking products which they're very experienced in they don't have experience with a premium point and shoot like this so i don't know if they'd want to take that risk but do you think does it make sense for them to go to dx market of point and shoot cameras while rico gr and uh, x106 exists doesn't it make more sense to go into the full frame point and shoot camera because the only competition you have is like a q3 and obviously well, you can't really compete with like a, from the point is their price tag is always higher. So yeah, if you're going to release a Nikon full frame point and shoot, it's you're still going to undercut Leica, and that's going to be the only play on the market after like Q3. Yeah, I do see your point, and I think that you're you're right. That would make more sense for them, and it would keep in line with their produce less cameras but charge more for them, like stick with the premium side of life. So. Absolutely. And let's see what they do in response, if anything at all. Maybe we'll just get our professional DX camera, Z camera, as we've been asking for for a while, the Z90, as we call it. Oh, you just opened a can of worms. But thank you. The comment section is going to love that discussion. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you're interested, then there is a video on YouTube by Three Blind Men and an Elephant, which is the Fuji X106 equals the X100V plus the X-T5 equals massive hit. But is it enough? This is a video title that does not roll off the tongue, but is quite an interesting chat, so do check that out. Yeah, it's a very interesting equation, I agree. But every time this gentleman starts to speak, I just open my wallet. <laughs> he can sell me anything. <laughs> it's got that kind of voice. Absolutely. So do let us know in the comments below, should Nikon release a full-frame point-and-shoot or get into the DX point-and-shoot game with other brands? 
or do you think Nikon shouldn't go into the point-and-shoot space at all and leave it be? Let us know in the comments below. That's right. And for your weekend read and watch section, we have the Nikon Z8 and Z9 best bird in flight autofocus settings. That looks like it's by Steve Perry because he's holding a big lens. <laughs> And for some workshops near you, or not, as the case may be, Spring in Ireland, a new photography workshop with Joe McNally and Tamara Lackey, is on in May, and there are only a few places left. Obviously, we love Joe. Joe is friend of the shop, friend of the channel. And honestly, these two photographers, highly acclaimed, fantastic teachers, will together provide a very comprehensive and unmatched photographic tutorial for you. So definitely book in if you can absolutely it's almost a week long i mean i would love to spend the week with joe it's just to hear his wisdom i mean the interview we have a couple months ago was incredibly valuable and just full of knowledge really so the knowledge that you don't normally get from any photographic channels that you look on youtube it comes from directly from a professional photographer and they know a thing or two they do and that's a wrap thanks for joining us this week Yes, thank you very much for watching and or listening. Please give us a like and a subscribe if you're on YouTube. If you're listening on a podcast platform, give us a follow, rating, review, tell your family, force them to listen to it if you can. It would be tell great. Tell your neighbor. Absolutely. <laughs> we are on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and other podcasts of the world. You know where else we're at? We are on social media sites like Instagram. Particularly Instagram. I am at Rebecca underscore Danese. The shop is at Nikon Grays. And I'm at Konstantin Kochkin. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.